Our scripture that was previously read came from the book of Numbers, the 13th chapter, the 17th through the 20th verses, and the 25th through the 33rd verses were read. Just want to lift up the 30th verse as emphasis. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Little boy was walking down a path and he came across a rattlesnake. The rattlesnake was getting old and he asked the little boy, please little boy, can you take me to the top of the mountain? I hope to see the sunset one last time before I die. The little boy answered, no, 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 Mr. Rattlesnake. If I pick you up, you'll bite me and I'll die. The rattlesnake said, no, 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 I promise you, I promise you, I won't bite you. Just please take me up to the top of the mountain. The little boy thought about it and finally picked up the rattlesnake and took it close to his chest and carried it to the top of the mountain. There they sat and watched the sunset together. It was quite beautiful. Then after sunset, the rattlesnake turned to the little boy and asked, can I go home now? I am tired and I am old. The little boy picked up the rattlesnake and again put him to his chest and held it tightly and safely. He came all the way down the mountain holding the snake carefully and took it to his home to give it some food and a place to rest. The next day the rattlesnake turned to the boy and said, please little boy, will you take me to my home now? It is time for me to leave this world and I would like to be in my home now. The little boy felt he had been safe all this time, and the snake had kept his word. So he would take him home, just as he asked. He carefully picked up the snake, took it close to his chest again, and carried him to the back of the woods to his home to die. Just before he laid the rattlesnake down, the rattlesnake turned and bit him in the chest. The little boy cried out and threw the snake to the ground. Mr. Snake! Why did you do that? Now I will surely die. The rattlesnake looked up at him and grinned. You knew what I was when you picked me up. On April 29th, 2017, at one of his rallies, Donald Trump told this same story in the form of a poem. The interesting thing is that he told it in the context of letting people in at the border, likening those people coming in, these immigrants coming in, likening them to that of the snake. And Donald Trump ended the story by saying, you knew darn well what I was and that I was a snake before you took me in. I can't help but think of the irony of that story being told by him, especially in light of Dr. Maya Angelou's quote when she said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. We are progressing through a very contentious period right now in American history. And for many of us who believe in the promise of this nation, it seems like that we, like the little boy, might have been gravely mistaken about the true nature of this country. 
this land of the free and the brave just might not be all that we thought it to be based on all the current divisions, anti-government and anti-law sentiments that we are witnessing. And so, in light of all that is happening around us, I've chosen to speak a message today titled, Giants in the Land. Giants in the Land. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we feel like we are the children of Israel right now, standing in the wilderness, hearing our Moses say to us, go see the land, spy out the land, and see if it has milk and honey. But Lord, our report to you, Lord, is that there are indeed giants in the land. And so, Father, we invite you now, Lord, as we preach a message that you grant us the spirit of Caleb, that we may not become discouraged, but that we will see that the land is ours for the taking, that we may be able to recognize that everyone on this planet has a right to all the fruit that you have given to all of us. May this message reach the heart of those that need to hear a word from you. For whether or not there are giants in the land, there is still God on the throne. This we pray in your holy name. Amen. I can be honest with all of you and say that as I thought about this election cycle of 2020, and just to be clear, I am not a political agent for any party or any person. But as I thought about this election cycle of 2020 and the unmitigated fact that Donald J. Trump lost his bid for re-election and that Joseph R. Biden Jr. will be the 46th president of the United States, I find personally that I am more brokenhearted than I thought I would be. To be sure, I, like probably most of you, we're hoping not just for a mere repudiation of the racist, misogynistic, and reprehensible policies of the past four years that were orchestrated, and I'm not mincing my words, that were orchestrated by a satanic and demonic agenda, and which found its embodiment in the personhood of Donald J. Trump. But I was praying that this election loss would be so cataclysmic that there would be no doubt that the American people were, by and large, good people. I was hoping that all America, and indeed the whole entire world, would be able to see that the election of Donald J. Trump in 2016 was an anomaly, a mistake, a mere blip in the course of American history. I was hoping that all would see that the United States of America had the capacity to return to being the moral leader and agency of the free world and that it was indeed a God-fearing nation. I was hoping that we would all see that this was not only the land of the free and the home of the brave, but also that it was the place where justice prevails, where good overcomes evil, where right is right, 
and wrong is wrong. I was hoping that we would all see that the truths that we claim to be self-evident regarding the equality of men and women who were endowed by their creator with the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that our government derived its just powers from the consent of the governed. In other words, the electorate, the people had the final say in who runs their government. I was hoping that we would all see that this was indeed a land that flowed with milk and honey. But sadly, what the election of 2020 has shown us is that there are, in fact, giants in the land. Contrary to what many may think, the tragedy of America these past four years leading up to the 2020 election was not and is not Donald J. Trump. For sure, he is about as repulsive as anyone can imagine with his genitalia grabbing, serial divorcing, and compulsive lying character, which is bad in and of itself, but I'm nobody's judge, but he is not the tragedy of America. The tragedy of America, as I see it, is twofold. The first of which is that more than 72 million people voted for Donald J. Trump. This means that almost half of the voting electorate in the United States of America supported an administration that lacked integrity, honesty, Fairness, justice, the rule of law, common decency, charity, goodness, tradition, and the truth. Almost half of the voting electorate would be okay with seeing the division, racial profiling, police brutality, white supremacy, violent street rioting, disenfranchisement of black people, COVID-19 deaths, gun violence, street shootings, miscarriage of justice for unarmed black people, inept responses to natural disasters, global ridicule, unemployment, and economic collapse continue. Almost half of the voting electorate would be okay with seeing all of that continue. Almost half of the voting electorate would have been okay with conspiracy theories and alternative facts. This is the first tragedy of these United States, that many American people would have been okay living with these giants in the land. But the second tragedy of America is that the majority the majority of our elected officials are more concerned with holding on to their power than they are concerned about the welfare of their constituents. You see, you don't need me to tell you about the hypocrisy of stating that nine months before an election is too close to approving a Supreme Court justice who has a lifetime appointment, but, but, but it's not too late to approve one while an active election is in progress. You don't need me to tell you about the hypocrisy of telling people that you intend to protect their pre-existing medical conditions while simultaneously appealing to the Supreme Court to overturn a health care law that allows more than 30 million people to have health insurance while they need it the most during a pandemic. And you definitely 
don't need me to tell you about the hypocrisy of saying that all mail-in ballots must be counted in Arizona when it seems your candidate is closing in on, on the lead, but to stop counting these mail-in ballots in Philadelphia where the gap for your candidate's loss is widening. My brothers and my sisters, I'm not making up any of this stuff that I'm telling you. And these, as I see it, are the two tragedies of American society today. And, and, and the biggest thought that I have concerning all of this, and you have to bear with me because i got to get this off my chest. The biggest thought I have concerning all of this, and the part that causes me to have the most despair and heartbreak, really and truly has less to do with these corrupt politicians and government officials, for truthfully, they are all the same. They all talk out of two sides of their mouth with four tongues, like the serpents they are and the serpent they represent. I'm saying it like I feel it. No, my real issue has to do with the church's role and what we have to say about all of this. What would God have us to know and to understand as we ponder all these things that are laid bare before us? Well, let's look at the text. The text tells us that Moses had sent spies to inquire what the land was like. They were sent to see if the people who dwell there were strong or weak, few or many, to see whether the land was good or bad, whether the cities were like camps or strongholds, whether the land was rich or poor, and to bring back some fruit. But when the report came back to Moses, the spies said that it was a land that devours its inhabitants by marginalizing the poor and the mentally ill while engaging in predatory lending tactics and locking children in cages. The, the spies came back and they said that it was a land where the people are men of real great stature in government where they protect Wall Street interests, big pharmaceutical companies and big banks. The spies said there were giants in the land and these giants control Congress, the Supreme Court, the big corporations. They control the education system, the banking system, the healthcare system, and they despise the widows and the orphans. And to the spies, they said we were like grasshoppers in not just our own sight, but also in the sight of the giants. The spies came back and said to Moses that it was a land where black lives does not matter as they cling to their guns and they stand their ground while killing innocent unarmed black people. Yes, the report came back that there were many, many giants in the land and that they were outnumbered. But the Bible tells us that in the midst of this report, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Yes, there were giants in the land. Yes, they have their big governments and their systems. Yes, they all live above the law, but we are the church of Jesus Christ. And my Lord said to me that we are well able to overcome it, not by might, not by power, but by his Holy Spirit. And that's what I, my brothers and my sisters, choose to believe. I choose to believe my father's report. But I have a word for all those frauds 
and the so-called, and I'm saying it, white evangelicals who claim to have the Holy Spirit yet enjoy and seek power today. To be clear, these now are not my words. These are Jesus' words. But I'm going to give it a twist with my understanding of its meaning. And using the, the message translation version, Jesus says in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, and the 13th through the 39th verses, a message to all those church people who have sided with everything but the love of God. Hear now the words of Jesus. I've had it with you. Woe unto you, Pharisees and religious people. Hypocrites, your lives are roadblocks to God's kingdom. You refuse to enter and won't let anyone else in either as you close the borders with your walls and force dreamers and human beings to live in hell and in the shadows. Woe unto you Pharisees and religious people, hypocrites. You keep meticulous accounting books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get, making your big donations to special interest groups and ignored matters of the law, judgment, mercy, fairness, compassion, and commitment, the absolute basics. Woe unto you, Pharisees and religious people, hypocrites. You polish the surface of your cups and your bowls so that they sparkle in the sun while the insides are maggoty with your greed and gluttony. Stupid Pharisee, scour the insides and then the gleaming surface will mean something more. Woe unto you, Pharisees and religious people, hypocrites. You light manicured cemeteries, grass clipped with the flowers bright, but six feet down it's all rotting bones and worm-eaten flesh. People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. Woe unto you, Pharisees and religious people, hypocrites. You build granite tombs for your prophets and marble monuments for your white supremacist confederate generals. And you say that if you had lived in the days of your ancestors, no blood would have been on your hands. You protest too much. You're cut from the same cloth as those murderers and daily add to the COVID-19 death count. Snakes, reptilian snakes. Listen, these are Jesus' words. Snakes, reptilian snakes. Do you think you can worm your way out of this, never having to pay the piper? It's on account of people like you that I send prophets and wise guides and scholars like Dr. King. Generation after generation and generation after generation, you treat them like dirt, greeting them with lynch mobs, hounding them with abuse. You can't squirm your way out of this. Every drop of righteous blood ever spilled on this earth, beginning with the blood of that good man Abel, right down to the blood of Martin, Medgar, Emmett, Amadou, Trayvon, Tamir, Philando, Sandra, George, Brianna, Anamod, just to name a few, is on your head. All this, I'm telling you, is coming down on you and on your generation. You serpent, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. These are not my words. Some of it is. A bit paraphrased with prophetic interpretation. But, but the point of the matter is that generation did not listen to Jesus then and we are not listening to Jesus now. Now. We have not heeded Jesus' words and we have not changed. And notice I said we. We. 
for all of us who call ourselves the church of Jesus Christ, we have to stand to account. And either we're going to stand for truth, righteousness, and fairness, or we might as well just follow everyone else over the ditch into the cavern there where we belong. I started off this message by saying that during this election cycle, I am more brokenhearted than I thought I would be. And I'm just being me. Like many of you, and especially people of African descent, black people, we have carried this snake up to the mountaintop too many times and have been bitten too many times to not take notice that we can't change America any more than we can change the character of that rattlesnake. We knew what you were when we picked you up, but we held out hope that somehow you would repent. We held out hope that you would repent for the many atrocities of chattel slavery, lynchings, Jim Crow, and systemic racism. We held out hope that you would repent of your hypocrisy and the spirit of religiosity and entitlement. We held out hope that you would repent for all the evil you have done and many blessings that God has showered us with in this nation. But you chose to remain on the same path. You chose to embrace a mindset that sowed more division than unity, more hate than love, more disdain than charity, all in the name of the almighty dollar and ended up selling your souls for a mere 30 pieces of silver. But I pray that you will soon come to the knowledge of the truth, the truth because you will see you will see that there's only one way to righteousness, and that is through Jesus Christ and him alone. And I say to you today, unless you repent, you will not see Jesus until that day when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So yes, there are many giants in this land, many serpents and rattlesnakes that talk a good game and offer promises about making America great again. And that this is a land where everyone is equal under the law. But, 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 but while some may have experienced some good fortune here, while some may have tasted its fruit, while, while, while some may have enjoyed its milk and honey, for most people, this has not been an American dream, but an American nightmare. Even right now as I'm speaking, children on the borders, lost and separated from their families, have no idea, and the government that separated them have no idea where these parents are. Can you imagine a six-year-old child looking around, crying and calling for its mother, and no one is there to hug, to represent, to find? I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine what that must be like. Is that the land of the free? Is, is, is that not for you a major giant in the land? It, it, can we all see the same videotape of an injustice and not feel the same pain? Where is our compassion? My brothers and sisters, there are giants, many giants in the land. Yet, yet, despite all of that, I still hold out hope that we can become closer to what we say we are on paper. 
that, that, that the ark will still bend towards justice. That, that we are progressing to becoming a more perfect union. And with the help of Almighty God with us. My brothers and my sisters, with the help of Almighty God with us, we can take on that spirit of Caleb. For despite all the vitriol and the hate-mongering, the truth is, we are overcomers. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And no matter how many giants are in the land, the reality is, Jesus, Jesus died and Jesus rose again. And Jesus ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father. So the scriptures tell us. And from there, he shall come and rule and judge the quick and the dead. Where do you find yourself today? Because again, the words are clear. Woe unto you, Pharisees and religious people, hypocrites, for what you are presenting outside is inconsistent with what's on the inside. And so, America, my message as my heart bleeds and breaks, for a nation that I have called my own as an immigrant from Jamaica, where I have sown my own and poured and invested my life and all that I am. I love this nation. And I want to see this nation be better. But I'm telling you right now, and I pray to God, I don't know if I'm speaking prophetically or not. You're going down the wrong path. It's now a good time to repent. We have all made mistakes and we've all fallen short of God's glory. But this is a good day to turn the table and to find a way back to God. But for America to do that, it really starts with the individual. And so I say to you, my brothers and my sisters today, that this is the day where you must first take personal responsibility for yourself and for what you have done. You must first take personal responsibility and make sure that your outside matches your inside. And if you don't know what's on the inside of you, then that's where you need to invite Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So yes, for all the vitriol and the hate mongering, we are well able to overcome no matter how many giants there are in the land. May God richly, richly bless you, my beloved.